Are you ready to reach the mountaintop of your life? Do you want to turn your dreams into your reality? If that sounds like you, then welcome to the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. everyone, welcome to the Mountaintop Motivation Podcast, and we have the perfect guest today with Jeff Lavin. This guy represents what Mountaintop Motivation is all about. Jeff, can you start off by introducing yourself? Hey, what's up, everyone? Um, so I'm Jeff Lavin, aka Jeff the Shredneck Lavin, uh, and I like to get awesome. <laughs> tell, tell me about the Shredneck. I want to hear about the Shredneck. Um, oh, so the Shredneck, so... Yeah. Um, all right. So us snowboarders, um, you know, like usually we're kind of like, you know, hippie stoner preppy types. Right. Yeah. And I was always kind of the, the redneck guy. Like I had my trucks, you know, hunted, fished, work on stuff, you know, built engines into cars, like kind of the, the weird odd ones out there. Um, so one morning um, in 2000, it's like 2005 or six or something like that. I was out at uh, Breckenridge. And I showed up my hunting clothes and they're like, what the heck's up with this guy? Cause I just bagged this freaking awesome, beautiful elk, like 500 pounds. And I was like, I'm going to go celebrate and go ride the park. And usually you look like somebody from Texas showing up like that, you know, in Colorado, they're like, who's this guy. And then first round, like backside five cab nine nose grab, uh, which, you know, kids are doing that like first run now, but back then that was pretty good. Um, so I did a few more runs and then uh, we all, and a bunch of us ended up like meeting up in the parking lot together, bumping into each other. And they're like, Whoa, they saw like the rack hanging out and that. And they're like, that's, it's kind of gnarly. Um, uh, it's kind of extreme. Like, Whoa. And I was like, Hey man, like I'm getting this processed. Um, I can only keep uh, you know, a few hundred pounds in my fridge. Um, do you want some, uh, shoot me your number, give me your number. I'll shoot you a text when it's ready. And then the next year I came back and, they're like, oh yeah, no more ramen. Uh, sick, dude. The shredneck's back. Um, <laughs> and it just kind of stuck, you know, because I'm the guy like having real tree and stuff like that, real tree camo, and just just the the redneck, good old boy snowboarder. So the redneck who could shred is what it was. Yeah, redneck. Oh, I love it. Redneck, <laughs> and just take those two words. That's awesome. Well, let, let's get into your, your career as a snowboarder. I want to start there. I think it's, it's really interesting. How, how, well, first give us a little overview of your career as a snowboarder and then tell us how you got into it. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, it all started with my awesome parents. Um, they met on the ski hill, like in the, in the seventies. And then I happened on winter park, um, or at winter park on a spring break or something like that. Um, as they told me, I was born on the winter solstice, uh, December 21st, uh, 81, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, yeah. yeah, so like being, you know, kind of this kid that grew up on snow, that was always like our church. That was our thing. That was our thing that we did on a Sunday. I got started skiing on like two and a half, um, by like age 12, I was bored because that was, you know, in the late eighties, nineties, um, well, early nineties. <clears throat> that's when kids had, uh, you know, like there's just goofy clothes. And then I skated, I started seeing snowboards that's when they started making twin tip snowboards. And I said, Whoa, and being at that impressionable age of, you know, 12, 13, I figured, Hey, this would be awesome. And I was kind of a shy kid. 
And I said, whoa, maybe I could actually meet girls and talk to girls or something like that doing this. Um, that didn't work, but I became a really, really good snowboarder uh, because of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I started, uh, you know, garbage dumps in Wisconsin, like a few hundred vertical feet, um, believe it or not. Um, if you know anything about, um, you know, any of that stuff, usually you think, oh, pro snowboarder, the guy came from Washington, Utah, uh-huh. uh, somewhere where there's huge mountains, nope, garbage dumps, but they had high speed lifts on them uh, uh-huh. towards the, right before uh, we moved out of there. Um, then shortly after, um, I had the chance to follow my family out in my late teens t- uh, to Maine. And that's where it kind of all happened from, uh, you know, Wisconsin to Maine. <clears throat> but it, uh, you know, I just saw the whole world snowboarding um, by like 20, 2021, 22, I turned pro. Um, I was at the right place at the right time um sunday river in maine and they had this huge jump like where you got houses um you know like you're going like 30 feet in there wow uh, the lip on it it's like you know two stories and i was looking at that i'm like oh i want to hit that i want to hit that i want to hit that i was talking to the photographer guys and they're like well if you can find a way in and hit it um we'll let, like let you sneak in um so i snuck in while well, i actually ollied the rope jumped over the rope on my snowboard um you gotta be going like at a pretty good speed yeah like 30 miles per hour and then hit the jump and just did a big old backside 900 and you know ski patrol is trying to like kick me out and you know have me arrested and stuff they're like no he's in um so from there uh led me to norway um where i spent a whole summer there norway matt hood um next thing you know i'm doing big competitions like winter x Mm -hmm. um do but you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into, you know, this sport. Um, they always show when we make it, when it happens. But I went through back-to-back ACL surgeries and made a comeback from that. Um, mm. In like 2008, 2009, that was like my best statistical year. So really, yeah, it's, a, it's a crazy journey, um, like 10-year career. Um, it was, you know, it was fun. I wouldn't change it for the world and, you know, snowboarding. Uh, it owes me nothing. I owe it everything. You know, one thing I was thinking about when, whenever I interview someone, I like to think about what is the listener thinking about? Like, what is the listener thinking about right now? And what I think a lot of people are thinking about is what does it really mean to be a professional snowboarder? People know what a baseball player does and what a basketball player does. What does it actually mean to be a professional snowboarder? So, yeah, I mean, well, the basketball player, you play games. Yeah. Uh, baseball player, you play games. But we uh, also have public schedules that we see yeah. and, and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like, so. you play games. Like, you have, yeah, there's like more of a schedule. Um, there's a couple different ways you can make it um, as a snowboarder. It's similar to skating, surfing. So it's lifestyle-based sport um, where it's more centered around a lifestyle, individual sport. So you can make it by doing competitions like, you know, like X Games, do tour. Um, there's a lot of people doing awesome stuff. Um, the other way is editorial. So that's movies, magazines, Mm. um, all the cool stuff with that. And that's where I just, I fell in love with that. Mm. Um, just being more creative versus trying to, you know, cause you get in the competition stuff. Um, everybody kind of keeps you in the the same, you know, within the same box. Yeah. It's really hard to, to push those limits where, out, you know, in the, you know, more of the editorial side, um, I always looked at it as a mountain was my uh, painting and snowboarders uh, or 
yeah, is my painting or easel and the snowboard is my paintbrush. So I can kind of yeah. just be creative and do fun, unique stuff and mm. push the progression that way. That's cool. That's a, that's a cool way of looking at it. And I, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know. I mean, I guess I did, but I didn't have that kind of construct of it. So, okay. So you, you end up having two ACL surgeries. I'm sure that's very common in the snowboarding world. Really um, just, you know, upgrade. what's that? We call them suspension upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you come back from that? How, how did you, how um, you back from that and have that great year? Oh man. So first off those happened back to back. So, um, it was same knee or different knees, different knees. Okay. So, you know, million dollar man. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, yeah, it happened. It happened in like 2006, late February. And then I, ca- you know, I came back from that, um, just had a really good mindset. And then second one happened, boom, other knee December. So like three days into like the 2006, 2007 season. Wow. And that was like more defeating, you know, I, I, I crawled in a hole for, you know, like a week or so. And like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, you know, it was just in kind of a, a funky head spot, but what got me out of that was, you know, just embracing my community. Um, with the first one, I went back and studied kinesiology and, you know, got my personal trainer certs and just learned stuff. So community, um, with my second one, I knew it was going to be crucial. Um, the second part was, man, I knew I wanted to learn stuff. I wanted to learn some, some cool stuff and connect with people. So I created my own community cause I was out in Maine at the time. And if you've ever been out this way, mm-hmm. um, there's not a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. some, parts parts. some parts there's like more moose than people, uh-huh. more animals. So how do you create a community? Um, when you don't have a community, I mean, I have my local community, like my gym, but back then there was MySpace. Uh, Tom yeah, was my, first, I was on MySpace. Oh, Tom was my first internet friend, man. Yeah. Like, like what everyone. Happened, what happened to that guy? Actually, I follow him on Instagram. Okay. Actually, uh, I'm curious. Where is that guy? What is he doing? Tom, he's just yeah, taking really cool photos and like he escaped like the normal life and he goes to like cool places. So did, did, he, did he just cash out? I mean, did he, I mean, what, what I, I'm always curious about like, yeah, I, I'm just none of my business, but I am curious about like his financial situation. Oh, Tom, like, so, yeah. uh, I so was he able to just make a bunch of money back then and then just kind of, yeah. I'm just he living in my space in uh, 2007 or eight or something like that. Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, I think it. it was more like uh, 2006 because I got on it. I wouldn't know. Let's see. I got on it. So maybe it was 2007. I got on it at the very beginning of 2008. I remember where I was in life at the time. And it was, it was like early 2008 is when I got on and people had already been on it for a while. So maybe it was 07. Yeah. I got in and I got on it in like 2005 or so. Oh, oh, okay, cool. And before that, there's another cool site called snowboard.com. That one is really, really cool. It's like LinkedIn meets snowboarding and Uh all that. But everybody started going to the MySpace, the, the migration happened there. Yeah. Um, so I had this big following of like 30,000 people on MySpace at the time. And I was like, well, what can I do with this? I have, I have a website. So I started just talking about all the stuff that I did on my website. So I made stuff like app race, like where do you go after you're done snowboarding in Lake Tahoe, um, Colorado, Utah, 
all the cool top rated spots you know like what's there to do around this town like where should you go where should you visit um you know and then there was i just started expanding that and just adding other stuff you know other other sports and stuff that i like to do and brought in people like that like yeah surfing moto skateboarding like where are the cool spots of stuff that i like to do but also where do my where do my friends like to go um so i started just putting that in there and that started getting me good seo Um, you did that on that snowboarding platform yeah well not on snowboarding on my website on my personal website oh cool that brought people over that's awesome yeah started like pulling people over like early on um you know at the time i was like well you know i got six months because it takes six months for an acl to you know fully heal when you get the graph and all that so i got six months to kind of figure out where i can go with this and where i can take this um so we were able to i was able to grow it and then get bought out by the competition from that mm. but part of that that helped me they ended up buying you out yeah wow I, cool i mean i probably should have taken a lot more uh-huh uh, I should have taken, you know, they gave me a five figure offer and I said, Oh, cool. This is probably like what I could have made snowboarding. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sh- shut up and give me the money. I'm not going to say no. I probably should have been like, well, yeah. Hmm. Um, you, you also just don't know what you don't know, you know, at, at yeah. the, the age yeah. and that kind of thing. It, that was it cool. reminds me, uh, are you, are you, uh, connected with Tony Watley? No. Uh, Tony Watley has a, group and a community and an organization called 365 driven and he his whole background he also wrote a book called um side hustle millionaire he's spoken at a couple of my different conferences and things but anyway he's a guy who he's an engineer you know as his career but he loves cars and so he started a car forum back in like the late 90s he's like a like a forum all about cars and stuff like that. And then like, I can't remember what year it was probably around like 2008 or nine, something like that. I don't, I don't, Tony, I'm sorry. I don't know what the years are, but he sold that. He sold that car forum to, it was, you know, this was at the time when all of a sudden magazines are stopping being effective. And so now these magazines are trying to go online. So what is the real value of, any business, it's the customer base. So we're going to go online. We're going to purchase this uh, car forum so we can automatically have all these people that are online. I mean, they, they, him and his partner, they sold it for like $2 million, like this, nice. this, uh, this thing. But it, you know, it kind of reminds you of the same kind of thing. But yeah. you know, you don't, you, this is also a six month turnaround. That's awesome. Yeah. That's I was like, whoa, I made, I made money off of this. Awesome. Cool. Um, now, and now the time is to get back into snowboarding. That's awesome. Uh, but what it taught me is, uh, press and press and social media, um, are two really key things. Um, you know, as far as building that and then, you know, building, building community and just building followers and sharing your story. I mean, around the same time too, I wrote, I wrote my first book, getting back in the game, um, mm. where I kind of shared my life story and then said, all right. Uh, let's build. And really the, my intention with that was just to, to gain more sponsors, gain more, gain more fans. What I learned with sponsors, um, cause I wrote for monster energy, uh, Paxson, mm-hmm. Oakley and stuff like that. Um, a few of the, the big hitters out there is as long as you're getting them press and exposure, they're happy. They're excited. Um, it didn't matter how, and as long they don't as care you- if you're on the, if you're on the mountain or not, they care that they you're getting, yeah, 
they don't care. Um, you know, as long as their name's getting out there and you're generating following and sales are transacting from that. Um, so that was my goal with the book was to, you know, build that and become, you know, the, the people's champ, um, you know, with that and mm-hmm. tell my story and just get everybody psyched and be like, yeah, you can go back. Cause everybody, I mean, even sponsors wrote me off after you've had, you've blown up both your ACLs, you've been off snow for, you know, year and a half or something like that. Um, even if you did do the backside double cork nine or, you know, something that's really progressive, cool. You know, you, it's, uh, you're a disposable hero. Mm. So unless you bring, you know, you have to find a way to bring value to them. So yeah. that was kind of one of the things, you know, you, you have to figure out how to, to pivot and switch and, um, change. Wow. That that's super cool. And I'm guessing, I mean, this is, I mean, just led you straight into the career as an entrepreneur. I mean, it's, it's pretty, you know, when, when we were sitting down for this interview, I was saying, oh, it's going to be a very interesting question. When I say, how did you transition from pro snowboarder to entrepreneur? And it sounds like you already were, you, you already were long, like early into the process. Oh yeah. Early in, I mean, shoot, um, way back in like 99, 2000, I mean, I jumped into, I saw a network marketing opportunity, jumped on that. I made, uh, that was what allowed me to kind of pursue snowboarding. I made a thousand bucks a month. So that paid for my car, mm-hmm. uh, my insurance, uh, pizza, beer, mm-hmm. everything an 18 year old needs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Time I was going to school and um, studying to be a pipe fitter. So I was making money, but that allowed me to kind of be free and not have to worry as much. Mm. I, so you look at your life and it's very different than what it would have been had you been a pipe filter, uh, pipe fitter. So why were you going to school to be a pipe fitter and where did that thought come from? Well, I mean, one, uh, you know, I grew up in, so I grew up in a GM town in Jamesville, Wisconsin. They made the suburban, the Tahoe there. Uh-huh. Um, big emphasis on blue collar, um, big emphasis on the unions, um, the trades. I'm still a big advocate and supporter for the trades. Um, I'm, I'm a hands-on person. I like working with, uh, with that, uh, with my hand, uh, but pipe fitting, you know, if you have a welding mask on, it was also the reason that nobody would talk to me. Um, cause I was kind of <laughs> that person. I just wanted to be heads down, do the work, you know, I could put some music on and just yeah. get stuff done and kind of be in that flow state. Um, and then I was also thinking, um, long-term, I was like, well, I could you know, become a master, um, master fitter and have my own business. Um, with employees so I was really kind of thinking about all right you know I'll get I'll put my time in but I want to go further and have my own outfit or mm-hmm. you know my own my own practice or trade mm-hmm. or my own, my own group my own crew mm-hmm. do that that's already where where I was thinking and you know, shoot my mom's side they're all entrepreneurial people um, my uncle's involved in computers he uh he did the drawstring for sweatpants, um, had the patent on that. Um, my oh, grandfather wow. did the uh, Venetian blinds for the Sears Tower. Mm. Um, he did a whole contract, every single blind in there. Wow. Um, at one point, probably not anymore. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But at one point, you know, that, that, was, that was all my mom's side. So, you know, being around that, being exposed to that at an early age, um, yeah. it was cool. And, uh, you know, some of my other family members they had successes failures and stuff like that but there's uh, my one cousin he just passed but 
he you know he's published he had like crazy manufacturing company all sorts of stuff but um he had his failures he had successes but he never let the failure stop him mm. and seeing that and just seeing kind of the the freedom and the lifestyle they had and everything it just encouraged me to it's just it's a it's kind of a calling yeah well it's interesting that like you talking about being a pipe filter a pipe fitter and you were talking you were talking about being an entrepreneur anyway like you were like i I think that there's something about whether whether it's nature or nurture i don't know you know gary vaynerchuk seems to be convinced that it's 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 nature but i don't know what it is maybe it's nature maybe it's nurture maybe it's both uh, depending on the situation, but it seems like there's some little, there's something inside people like us who are crazy enough to go out and be entrepreneurs that just, you know, I, I was going to school to be a, a therapist, to be a counselor. And even at that time, when I was talking about being a therapist and a counselor, people were saying things like, well, you know, you're not going to make very much money doing that. I'm like, well, yeah, if I just do do that, but I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to build my own practice. I'm going to do like, it just, it just was what was going to happen yeah. is what was in my head. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? On, on where does that desire to become an entrepreneur come from? Not just in you, but in, in people in general, what do you think about that? So I know where it started for me Yeah, uh, when I, you know, lemonade stands, but I figured out that, all right, lemonade stands are great, but that's when I started selling the stuff from my mom's house. Like I started selling the lemonade mix and the sugar and all that. I was a supplier to the lemonade stands. And it's like, how many lemonade stands can we set up on the corners? And like, how can we franchise this at like, you know, age, whatever. Um, it was the bartering and the trading that I used to do, all that. Um, what pushes you into entrepreneurialism? It's, it's, you know, something in an early age where you figure out um, one, you know, your passion and something you want to follow it. Uh, you learn loving. Um, so I was leveraging the kids in my neighborhood and stuff like that uh, to, hey, you should open up this lemonade stand. Boom. Uh, I'm going to sell you the, the stuff. And I learned how to leverage it in an early age. Um, two, you know, or three, it's just how, to, how can you have stuff come in passive? So, yeah. you know, I think it goes to the, the Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, where he convinces him to paint the fence for an apple. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the mentality that hits you at, a, at an early age as a kid. Yeah. And once you learn how to persuade people and influence your friends and stuff like that, you learn like how much further it can go or working on school projects. Yeah. Like I used to get yelled at because teachers would say, like, what are you say? Well, I'm leading the product. I'm making sure that everything goes together here. I'm I'm doing nothing besides just, you know, I'm I'm the conductor of the orchestra. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff like that. Hey everyone, welcome back. We uh had some internet trouble. You probably heard um some of the uh some of the audio cutting in and out but we wanted to make sure that we had it right. So we paused and now we're back. Jeff moved locations in his home. And uh, anyway, I'd love to hear more about what you're saying about the idea of entrepreneurialism, where that comes from. Um, Last thing you were talking about is you were talking about Huck Finn and how, you know, that idea of being able to persuade people. Um, Then you were talking about, uh, let's see, the next thing was finding ways to create passive income, finding ways, you know, playing a game. Keep, Keep going with that. It's very interesting. 
Yeah. Um, so Huck Finn, um, I think it's Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, whenever they're painting the fence and he convinces him to trade him the apple to paint the fence. So he's uh-huh. paying him to work. But there's a point in your time when you learn that you have this kind of influence over your friends and stuff like that and your peers around that age. Um, I learned that at a young age and I learned leverage, um, you know, by creating as many lemonade stands as I could in my neighborhood by going out and my mom would actually like let me buy stuff like supplies, mm. like sugar. Um, you know, here's a lemon. <laughs> yeah. Here's a lemonade premix, you know, that could busy people if they could set up uh, set up shop. Um, you know, there's like three or four of them in the neighborhood, but I learned how to leverage, you know, cause all I had to do is go supply them and ride my bike around and check on them, see if they needed any more. And that kind of led to leverage stuff. Um, and then, um, you know, early on, like in life, uh, I was always encouraged to create uh, passive income. So mm. take that and invest it into other streams and diversify. So check out with this, you know, my parents started showing me stocks at like seven or eight. Um, like, mm. yeah, this stocks, this is, you know, this creates this, this creates uh, compounded interest and stuff. This is the difference between bank interest, um, this, that. Um, so learning that at a young age, uh, it just kind of sparked the bug. And then all the other stuff that we have, you know, like from videos and all the, you know, other stuff you're kind of introduced by, I think I watched an infomercial on real estate once I memorized the thing where mm. they're talking about how they made passive income on real estate. And I was like 16 or 17. I said, Whoa, what the heck am I doing? Trading my time for money. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm still investing in creating other stuff when I was like 16, 17, but um, shoot, I was like, what am I, you know, this, there's so much more. Yeah. This is how, you know, rich people get rich. And I, I remember I hated reading um, fiction books and stuff like that. Uh, one of my favorite books was The Millionaire Next Door. Mm. You know, it talks yeah. about a guy that, you know, he's a millionaire. He drives a beat up old F-150 um, and he makes, you know, he has a million or something like that um, diversified. And that pays him fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, based on the dividends, the interest, and whatever else that he makes. So yeah. that got wheel spinning uh-huh. early on. That that's really cool. I, I I never understood that this whole thing was a game until like just a couple of years ago. Like just a couple of years ago is when I started looking at it as a game. You know, I grew up. Uh, very much in a working, you know, working household kind of thing. My parents are teachers, you know, that's kind of the, the model. And so the idea of going and being an entrepreneur was not something, even though my, my dad, my dad was an entrepreneur at one point, you know, at one point he had some, some really cool things going on, uh, owned a couple of franchises and things like that. But then there's some, right at some times when there's some crashes and some, just some kind of unfortunate things happen. He goes back to school, becomes a teacher. And so my encouragement, a lot of it was go find something steady, go find something that, that is going to be um, reliable. And even though I didn't, I never did that. I mean, I, I really have never had a real job. Like people ask me all the time, like, well, how do I, how do I leave my corporate job and start doing this full time? And I go, I, I don't know. I, I've never done it before. I, that's not my experience. Um, but I realized that I came into entrepreneurship still with a very employee mindset, 
still the very employee working class mindset. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I just went, wait, this is, this is just monopoly is all, this is, it's a game. It's just a game. And when you think about it, like a game, like it, it just takes away all the pressure. It takes away all of the just little nuanced challenges. It's, it's a game. Yeah. It's, it's all a game. Yeah. Uh, the game of money and just making your money work for you. Like how many times can you get a dollar to go work for you? Yeah. Can you turn a dollar into four or five dollars, ten dollars. Yeah. You know, what's what's it take? How many different ways can you do it? Yeah. And then diversifying it. Um, you know, because what's that saying? Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Totally. That's one thing I, I've I've learned that a few times too, just just the hard way. Mm. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. <clears throat> so, you know, shoot, building snowboards. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put, depend on one sponsor um, to cover your bills. Um, you know, I had ten sponsors um, as a snowboarder, so I was able to make a decent living where I didn't have to really have, you know, a day job or anything like that. I wasn't yeah. absolutely killing it like Sean White, but it was enough to be comfortable, man. Yeah, I think that's, that's a super cool thing. Let, let's go into your <clears throat> career post snowboarding. Let's go, you know, po- post being a professional snowboarder. I know then you went into creating your own snowboard company or a snowboard brand and all that kind of stuff. I'd love to hear what, what happened there. Yeah. Um, so have you ever heard that saying, every athlete dies twice? No. Okay. So I'll explain. I think um, I, yeah. I think I get it, but let's hear it. Yeah. So I'll explain. Um, you know, I was 29, 30, um, 31, something like that. Um, in between that age, so late twenties, early thirties, I hung it up. Right. Um, retirement, usually you're what, 60, 70, um, if ever these days. Um, but you know, you have, we have all this time, you know, all of a sudden, you know, like you're here, but you got all this to do. And what do you do with the rest of that? Um, so I looked at, all right, I said, I go back to school. Um, I didn't really like school and sitting around and doing that too much as more hands-on. Yeah. So I was like, all right, what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, you know, back to the trades for a little bit and figure out, you know, kind of my next move. It'll come to me, um, you know, and I think it was right around 2011, I got this itch where I said, you know what, there's a niche that needs to be uh, just figured out like with snowboards, with, with, with my brand, I got some ideas. I want to create my own brand. Um, I have no idea. Well, I mean, I was able to watch um, from sponsors, from the marketing side, um, from, you know, the way 10 different companies function, function and all that. Um, But I had no idea of, you know, how I was going to kind of do it. I just did it just because I wanted to. And it was, you know, kind of a significant anniversary, um, 8-3-2011. In 96, I got in a pretty serious accident where I had a TBI. Um, Mm. So I said, you know what, I've lived this long, you know, like, you know, and all of us, you know, being alive, it's, uh, you know, it's like one in a million or it's it's a miracle. So I said, you know what, what the heck? I am just going to jump in head first and swim. Mm. And if I can't swim whatever but it's going to build some experience so one i'll be able to do something with it um because you know the safety point was building the experience um building experience so i could be 
employable or, you know, consultant, or I'd have some value in the industry um, somewhere, somehow, even if I did fail safe, that was kind of my fallback. Um, but then I, I said, you know, I'm going to sink or swim. Uh, made it past year one, year two, had to really learn how to swim. Um, year yeah. two is always the most difficult in any business. Um, year three, um, we really figured it out. Um, we were able to come across, uh, you know, an amazing material, um, had a really kick butt graphic artist, um, where, you know, like in the, in the, we were talking about scaling, um, the other day and this guy could draw stuff that like was beyond my imagination. I'd be like, well, dude, make the pizza guy. Like I want, I want to do this food series board. And he'd be like, you do like the pizza guy. And then the board would just be all crazy on the bottom and then the popsicle. And then there's this guy who used to make fun of, um, he used to eat, you know, the roller gas station hot dogs. And, you know, I was telling him about this um, and he was just cracking up and we had met, on the internet, on Facebook of all places. And he was in Spain, Alicante, Spain. Oh, really? And, yeah. So I'm speaking, you know, like, you know, he speaks really good English. I speak good Spanish, you know, from, from spending my time in Argentina and stuff like that. But, you know, we just had this, this instant crazy connection. Like sometimes the universe, when you're in the right place, it'll just send you those right people mm. uh, where you're supposed to be. So we had, this amazing graphic program and i remember talking about you know the the roller hot dog guy of uh, this guy well, i love i love those the the the, the pictures you posted dog. i mean yesterday you posted the star wars one because it was may may the 4th yesterday oh yeah so you posted a star wars yeah. one yeah so we, we we had a whole cool series of you know like returning the shred eye because i love star wars um i saw episode seven um probably like 10 or 12 times nice yeah, I got a big, big Star Wars like where I could repeat. I love stuff. Star Wars. I love it. I could talk the lines of the movies and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I just knew everything that was happening as it was happening. So totally. Were Were you a big uh, Mandalorian fan? Huge Mandalorian. I mean, anything that Dude. anything they put out. That's like. Out, I mean, I, I mean, I love I love Star Wars. Like all you know, Star Wars. But like in terms of the you know, even though I'm a I'm a huge Disney fan. But I'll say this, that the, the Mandalorian is, in my opinion, by far the best of any of the Disney Star Wars stuff that's, that's come oh, out. Like, it's I, unbelievable. Yeah. 100%. It's, it's amazing, especially that last ending. When Luke I know. Can, can, is, it, is it appropriate to, to say things? When is, the, when is the statute of limitations of when something is no longer spoiling? I know this. Uh, well, yeah, I actually can't say this, but uh, I know parroting is 77%. <laughs> if you oh. do anything more than 77% of parody. No, 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 no. I mean, statute of limitations of something being, um, you're no longer spoiling something. Like how long is it before, like, like someone, this was like a year ago. I yeah. said something about the end of Harry Potter and they're like, whoa, spoilers. And I was like, no. It's been it's been long enough. I don't need to be careful, but I don't know. It's only been a year. Do we still need to be careful of what we say? We're not on Google, but you should definitely watch that because I was like, what? No way! Like just the ending of that. I was just oh yes, like, yes. The ending. That's what I'm saying. Like I oh, just, yeah yeah. We're not freezing up here. I was just like I froze up after watching that. <laughs> I won't say anything more than that. Yeah, so yeah. good. So good, so good. I can't. Mine was blown. Have you been to Galaxy's Edge yet? 
Um, not yet. I had a chance to go, um, but my flight got bumped back forward again. I was in Orlando wow. for a conference, but wow. I'm going to go there in Anaheim because they just opened up Disney World again. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Just opened up. Uh, it, I'll, I'll tell you this. The um, Rise of the Resistance ride, you will have a feeling like you've never experienced before because you really feel like you are in Star Wars. Like it is like, I love, I love Disney parks. I love all sorts of parks and experiences. And I, I always love the feeling of like, this is like this, this is like that. Right. On the, like on the Indiana Jones ride, you feel like it's like I'm in Indiana Jones on the rise of the resistance. You are in Star Wars. <laughs> Like it's, it's so cool. That's what's amazing. And, you know, it kind of brings it to full circle. So that's the way Disney does it and the way they do experiences. Um, So yeah, like we had some amazing art and we had some funny stuff that grabbed people's attention, but we really had to think about it. And I thought about it long and hard. And I said, you know what, this is going this far. We're not in the snowboard business. That's when I kind of figured it out. I was like, well, I'm not in the snowboard business. I'm in the experience business. Yeah in the experience business and we really got to create the ultimate riding experience so that was you know a big part of our thing so we looked at the board from the outside in the inside out um i even went and took a consulting gig um designing boats um, so i could learn more about cad and everything like that um Mm. boats have boats or trigonometry geometry um there's not a straight line on one of those uh, snowboards you got a little bit more to work with and if i could figure out something as complicated as that then i could figure out a snowboard um so that's kind of like my self-education so i learned rhino um, rhino cad uh, within a couple weeks and i learned solidworks um within you know a month and then katia mm. and then from those two and then we found a composite um, stuff called Anegra. Um, it's a high density polypropylene um, where a lot of boards use fiberglass. Um, fiberglass, it's uh, shattered. It has a low tensile strength. Um, it's great when it's uh, surrounded because in a snowboard you have, it's like a five layer sandwich construction mm. and you have your, your plastic base layer, um, your fiberglass, your wood um, or coral layer, then another layer of fiberglass, and then your, your top sheet, which is uh, usually like a form of plastic. <clears throat> so we figured out, all right, let's change that. Let's change. We started experimenting. Um, this stuff was impossible to mix um, just alone because um, the resins and bonding and stuff like that wouldn't work. So where we were ex- uh, successful was uh, using carbon fiber, carbon mm-hmm. fiber, intermingling it with it. So we were able to shave off weight, and then also um, you get like rebounds. So like 1.5 to two times what you put in, you get back. So all of a sudden you're getting higher ollies. Turns are easier. Stuff's easier. It's like cheat codes. Um, wow. You know, especially for us 30-year-old guys, you know, we're still riding park and popping bigger than some of the younger guys. And they're like, what's what this? What are you doing? What are you doing? Wow. So next thing you know, people are looking into it. Um, we filed for a patent, um, went through that whole process, um, ended up winning an award, um, JAC um, Sporting Goods in uh, Paris, France. Won that a few times in a row. Uh, well, not in a row, but like won that twice. Yeah. Uh, so for innovation within Sporting Goods, because um, one, you got that rebound, that back. Two, 
here's the thing in a full failure situation, when you crease the top sheet and the snowboard, it's gone. It's uh, structurally compromised. Um, we were able to retain structural integrity at an 8% rate with that. And it had higher uh, failure for, uh, points. Mm-hmm. So to, you know, putting stuff in a, everything we test, we put in a full failure situation. Um, that was just way higher, way better numbers. Uh, I could say the, the science stuff out there, but it was amazing. Wow. So then we went back and we figured it out um, where we said, all right, um, now we got, we got this, we got this amazing stuff. So then we started going back and saying, all right, let's look at the whole drawing board. Um, so the four C's, um, the four C's were you know, important. So causes um, like cancer, um, losing our, you know, our, our friend Dustin, he's our team manager, he's fighting through that. Um, we wanted to do everything we could um, just to help him. We just had a one-year-old son. Um, unfortunately, you know, it, I mean, it still hurts me, um, you know, talk about that, but being able to help him um, not have to worry about, um, you know, what am I going to do for work? You know, what, what am I going to do? You know, like your treatments are covered. Um, even afterwards, his family is covered, you know, like we're able to help him. Um, and then other stuff, you know, like near and dear, um, we were talking about uh, suicide awareness um, in mountain towns. Um, one of my friends said, hey, it's, uh, it's, it's nine to one. Um, you know, compared to everywhere else. And I don't know, I mean, you're in these beautiful places and I can't tell you why, but I said, you know, some people are gonna look at stuff and ask why we're gonna dream things in every word and say, why not? Um, so let's let's look at this, let's change this. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about it. Um, first step uh, realizing that it's a problem is talking about it. Mm-hmm. So for that, um, then boarding for breast cancer and, you know, um, live domestic or live violence free. Um, those are a couple of, like our women's issues. So we really wanted to, you know, go after those um, because we supported these causes that create community. So we had stuff like ride meetups, um, you know, it, it matter if you're riding our product or not, just come out and ride. Let's, you know, let's go out and just have fun. Let's go be snowboarders. Mm. Um, and we built those into, you know, like bigger events um, into bigger events um, and then creativity, um, bringing stuff back from being made, overseas and being able to have stuff made in the United States to be able to shift stuff. Um, you know, creativity was a big part of it is we could change our shapes and R and D and, you know, pivot on a dime, um, you know, within, if you're overseas or out offshoring that'd take like four to six weeks to get a sample made. We could yeah. do that in like four to six hours. Wow. So, that's incredible. The creativity of that was, it was huge. And then, you know, then what's, what's the final part of that? The final C is our customers. Um, they were sharing their story because um, one, you know, the causes, um, you know, community, they liked hanging out and bringing people together. Um, the creativity and the fun that we we're having with our graphics, like Return of the Shred-Eye and, you yeah. know, Shred-Eye strikes back. Your pro wrestling ones. Yeah, the pro wrestling ones like Shredomania, Donald Trump getting choked out, <laughs> the Trump supporters. They love it. The Trump haters, they love it. So like, oh, that's the- awesome! Everyone could put yeah. their own their own meaning to it. Yeah, it had, it had its own meaning, and it was just it was cool. Uh, well, I mean, Donald Trump is a member of the WWE Hall of Fame. There you is, go. Man. And you know, you brought Ric Flair and Macho Man in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on the graphic, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, but yeah, they're they're sharing that, and that was that was a part of our success. Um, it wasn't you know, advertising and trans world snowboarding or snowboarder magazine, or, you know, even running Facebook, it was, you know, give, give back to the people 
that are sharing your story. Mm. Give back to them. So we created an affiliate program. Um, that's what was growing it. So why not, why not share them in and cut them in? And um, that's, everybody's looking for that side hustle or a way to support their hobby. Um, yeah. so you could get, you know, this awesome snowboard for, oh yeah, share it with a few people. Um, cool. Now you got that board for free. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. That is really incredible. How long were you in that business? Um, about 10 years. Um, okay. you know, after everything, everything we survived, all that, all the battles, all, you know, all the, the storms, you know, I kind of go into like sailing terms. We weathered a lot of storms, um, but 2020, it was, that was kind of, that was the great pause. And, you know, when uh, shops cancel orders and your cash flow situation is kind of tough, it's, uh, it's not done, but it's definitely, it was, we had to put it on the back burner mm-hmm. uh, temporary time. And I said, let's, let's, sit, let's sit back. Um, let's kind of see and adjust um, just because the industry is kind of shrinking and mountains all closed. Um, and I think it was March, everywhere closed, you know, yeah. one after another, after another, after another. And then they, they said they're going to open within a week or two, um, which, you know, hindsight, I, I realized that probably wasn't possible um, just because April is not a big money uh, maker month yeah. for the once you get past Easter. And then shops canceled orders. Um, so there's a lot of stuff. Um, Bert, even Burton, K2, they were laying people off. So there was, there's a lot of tough stuff that we had to deal with last year. Um, but we said, yeah, like, let's, let's just go back to the planning board. Let's put it on the back burner, um, you know, with, uh, with the option to rebrand it as uh, Get Awesome Snowboarding. Because um, originally it was Why Me, Wisconsin and Maine. It was my story. But I realized there, there's more than that. And then now we got material costs being like through the roof, a deck that was $900 cost you $3,200 to build. Mm. So it's figuring that out and figuring, you know, waiting it out. And sometimes some stuff you have to put, uh, you have to put on the back burner for a little bit. That's all right. Life happens. You got to put things on the back burner, but you've made some big shifts and came into what you're doing now. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, so now, um, well, it's stuff that I've always been kind of doing. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, consulting and helping people with business. Um, shoot, like the podcaster when I had, you know, my, my best friend, he said, hey, I want to start a podcast now, you know, a podcast. I got this great idea in like 2013. Um, awesome, cool. Um, he's like, well, my second kid's on the way. He's like, I don't know if I can, I can swing this. And I was like, well, look into the equipment. Um, I'll help you out. Um, so I cut him his initial investment. And then he said, well, hey, well, what do I do when I got to pay for this stuff next year? I was like, well, I'll help you find sponsors. Um, you know, same thing with, uh, with other stuff. Like people had me making promotional snowboards and stuff at one time too, or collaborations and stuff like that. That led into other consulting and other stuff like that. Other, you know, other things. And shoot, um, that I ended up building a whole product development uh, sourcing company. Um, sold that out in 2018 or so, like right before the tariffs. Um, but with this, you know, I've always been, I've been a coach. Um, like I started coaching snowboarding in like 1998 and speaking, I mean, I've been speaking to the media and, you know, in front of kids and, you know, usually for free. Sometimes I, I figured out I could get paid. Um, I joined a, you know, network marketing company a couple of years ago and, you know, next thing you know, I'm speaking in front of people. Um, and it's cool. And I'm like, I just, I like this. Um, so I started diving into that in like 2019. 
Um, and I realized, oh shoot, you know, like there, there's, there's more out there that, you know, coaching. I looked at, uh, you know, this, uh, this woman, um, uh, she just looked at me and said, you're brilliant. Uh, amazingly, she, she mm-hmm. said, Hey, you're brilliant. Um, what's stopping you from holding you back? What's, what's, what's keeping you? And I said, Hmm. Hmm. Ended up telling a super, super, super long witted story. And I said, oh, it's an excuse. So I looked at what I was doing um, with network marketing, affiliate marketing and stuff like that. And I said, well, what's, what's the one thing, you know, that everybody needs, everybody needs leads and you're talking to your friends, family and stuff like that, or really any business, any business, they need marketing, they need sales, they need, they need help. They need, you know, the big three, you need a good, you need a good mindset. You need a good headspace. Um, you need systems like stuff, you know, if you're doing it more than once, and there's technology out there to automate it, why not automate it? Um, but people don't know that that's out there. Um, driving traffic, Facebook, Google traffic, um, building websites, building your brand, building you, um, yeah. you.com, and then driving traffic into that and then creating the backend CRM with all the offers. Uh, just seeing all these awesome coaches out there and stuff like that. Like, you know, Les Browns, Brandon Bouchards, um, Tony Robbins. I'm a big, you know, analytical technical person. I said, well, huh, none of these guys are teaching this, but people charge so much money for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's really not that complicated. And when I, I went out on my journey to try and find it um, in 2018 or something like that, um, I learned a lot from, you know, marketing, um, just our company products. I said, well, wait a minute, this doesn't have to be that much X, Y, Z to share this. I mean, a lot of people are pushing in high ticket. I said, why can't we just make this for the masses? Um, and somebody said, you know, share this, you know, make it for the masses, live with the classes, but that's all right. You know, I'm from there and, you know, like president Carter, um, you know, kind of that guy, I like to help people out. You know, I'm still out there helping my community and doing that. And I, I'll be the guy riding coach before I'll ever be the guy riding in a private jet. Mm-hmm. Uh, or probably, probably like John Madden driving myself across country, except not in a cool tour bus, in a, you know, truck camper, adventure mobile or beat up, you know, beat up van. Um, but that's just me. I just want to help people. Yeah. Um, and just, just share that. Um, so yeah, we created, um, we call it influencer Academy, but might merge to get awesome Academy. So like, you know, as I was kind of shifting already in October, um, you know, just, I just said, I want to get into this. I want to share people, share with people how to market. I want to coach people on how to market, how to build systems, um, processes, how to scale everything that I've learned. Um, so I was already ahead of the curve. And then, you know, we had a lot of this stuff in, um, with, we call it influencer Academy. Um, we had a lot of these, you know, it's courses, um, you know, it's creating that and then doing, uh, some coaching and stuff like that. But what we actually, what we do is we create our done with you stuff. We put that into courses. Um, so like we're coaching a lot of people on how to do it, but also we're cutting it into courses. Um, it's kind of like the way books are made, the audibles and books are made backwards, uh, <laughs> books made from the audible, <laughs> little secret there, um, marketer secret. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so yeah, we're, we're doing this and we're sharing it. Um, pandemic hits, um, you know, doing the same kind of thing with the four C's, um, creating community or causes community, um, creativity, and then customers giving back through an affiliate platform. Mm-hmm. But March, so many people got put out of work, especially the restaurant industry. And, you know, I, I was in South Lake Tahoe at that time. I know so many people are just like, what do I do? What do I do? You know, and yeah, they're giving you stimulus, but I mean, how many Not people enough. can make it happen on 1200 bucks? You know, no yeah, no one. So I said, you know what? Um, this is their chance to help. And I've been on the internet for a long, long time. And I've been doing this for a long, long time. And we're the Sherpas. Um, you know, so for us, you know, every generation has a calling. And I just really felt the need. So I said, you know what, we're gonna open this up for free. Until stuff kind of gets back to normal. I mean, we're still not there yet. But it's opening up to help people. Wow. How long were you open? Uh, how long did you do that where it was free? Oh, it's like till like July 4th. Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Jeff, I could talk to you all day, uh, but I don't have time to talk to you all day. So uh, tell us about the book. Yeah. Um, so get awesome. Um, where passions meet purpose. Mm. Uh, above and beyond. It's all about just it's, it goes through my life stories, um, my life stories, facts tell, um, stories tell, but they help you connect. And every, within every one of those, there's a lesson and stuff, um, stuff that we go through, like exercises, um, like manifestation, um, you know, stuff that I've taken from snowboarding, like we call it the ATML uh, approach takeoff maneuver landing, but we've kind of constructed that and put that into life. Like, how do you approach mm-hmm. stuff? Uh, what do you take from it? Um, you know, how are you going to maneuver and pivot? Where are you going to land? Um, so there's a lot of cool exercises in that. And it really, I just, I wanted to put that out there in the whole personal development space and mm-hmm. share that with the world and, you know, help people with their mindset and yeah. just get above and beyond. Cause I mean, man, I've been through so much in my life, you know, from survive TBI survivor at 14 to, you know, like I had a massive trauma when I was 18 to, you know, being addicted, physically addicted to opiates after spending a, you know, month in ICU, mm. you know, getting above and beyond that, um, you know, and then there's all the stuff that we find in life, um, stuff that, you know, if you can't go, you got to find a way around it, whether it's above, down, up, over, through, mm-hmm. um, doing whatever it takes. Um, but the stuff that that's helped me. Um, get through all that yeah. is what I've shared. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so where can people get the book? Um, so one, my website, um, jefflab.net slash get awesome. Um, two, also on Amazon. Um, if you go into Amazon, um, just type in Jeff Lavin or get awesome up there. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. And is that the best way to get in touch with you also is just go through the website? Um, well, actually, you know, I kind of make a joke. Um, I'm on all the social media platforms. So whatever you're comfortable with, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, uh, no longer MySpace. Um, but yeah, I, they got yeah. rid of, I can't have a uh, MySpace account. I want to, I want a MySpace account. Oh, let's bring that. Let's make MySpace great again. Let's bring it back. Um, I want to, I want to hang out with Tom. Yeah. Actually, that guy. Um, but no, like any, any of the ways you're comfortable getting a hold of me or in touch with me um, through the website. 
any of those. It's, it's great. It's like peeing in the shower. It all goes down the same drain. So it's like, it all comes back to me <laughs> one way or another. <laughs> don't pee in the shower. <laughs> it's gross. It's just a good joke. <laughs> oh, that's great. And with that being said, what, what are, what's your last words of wisdom for uh, people who are listening here today? Um, so with, with anything in life, um, you know, practice, patience, persistence, those three build belief belief is what it takes to go beyond that and that is fear on the other side of fear is freedom freedom that's fun that's awesome i love that man that's wonderful so we like to officially end this show every time with a virtual fist bump so bring it in boom all right thanks jeff yeah my pleasure jake Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you got something great out of it. I hope that you enjoyed it. And most importantly, I hope that you found something that you can apply. Success is not given to just the talented or the lucky. Success is given to those who are willing to take action. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody else who would enjoy it. And if you would like all five parts of the number one goal, five part fundamental video series, head over to your number one goal.com. That's all spelled out your number one goal.com. Thanks so much for listening. This is Jake Ballantyne with mountaintop motivation, and I will see you at the top.